Hello, my name is Coach Pav, and today I'm going to be discussing how you can improve your cycling power. Of course, this podcast is going to focus on improving your cycling power, so if you're not yet using a power meter, you can still try to follow along, but using heart rate or rate of perceived exertion. If you are using one, ensuring you know how to use it correctly will maximise your opportunity for improvements. Discuss today. Improving your cycling power, including structured training and strength work. Improving cycling power off the bike, including strength and conditioning, nutrition and recovery and improving your power to weight ratio. Improving your cycling power. Firstly, this podcast episode won't touch on one crucial aspect of training, mainly due to it needing its own episode, which is base training. If you've been off the bike for a while, you might also start with a short preparation phase of training. Personally, I stick to doubling the amount of time you've had off. For example, two week prep phase for one week of rest, with the maximum prep phase being four weeks long perhaps eight weeks if you've had a really long time off or have been injured. This will lay some of the very simple foundation before you can even start to build your base. Structured training. If you've been training a while, you'll no doubt have done some of the structured training in the form of intervals. Even if you've not mindfully set about doing the intervals, you may have accidentally done some on the road, for example, when knowingly attacking a hill. Intervals, with the adequate amount of hard parts, Efforts, mixed with the correct amount of easy parts, recovery, will give your body a bigger boost than you just sitting at a steady state at higher intensity. When you understand the basics of training, you will know that it's not physiologically possible to last too long at high intensity anyway. Reducing the amount of stress you place your body under during the hard effort, but increasing the frequency of those easy efforts with any given session, will actually allow you more time at any given intensity. For example, you might be able to manage 5 or more 10 second sprints within an hour but how good will an all-out one-minute sprint actually be? While it is possible to improve your cycling power outside, indoors will give you the biggest gains. Intervals might be short and need timing correctly to give the biggest boost. Outside you might have traffic, weather, hills and other influences that might interfere with your session compliance. Hill climb intervals are a popular outdoors interval session, but ride them safely. When you have to keep an eye for other road users and the road condition, keeping another eye on your power figures might prove problematic. Of course, I work with clients who never train indoors, and that's no problem. It certainly is possible, but it might always give better adaptation in a more controlled environment. The caveat to this is actually wanting to do the training. Remember, training should be fun. Fun will boost your engagement and long-term commitment to training. Remember to consider your long-term goals when planning your training. Structuring in your recovery days will be important to boosting your power too. Remember that you don't really see improvements on the bike. You see them off it. Really focus on making recovery days as easy as possible. I always tell my athletes to make your hard sessions hard by making your easy sessions easy. Strength work. In this context, I actually mean strength intervals that you do on the bike. Knowing that power equals torque or leg strength multiplied by speed or leg speed will help you understand that it's fairly crucial to have some amount of leg strength. I do recommend also doing some off-the-bike strength training, which we'll cover in a bit. This is fairly simple and can be personalised to your goals. If you are looking to build your sprint, you might hit some very short sprint intervals in a heavy gear, starting them from a standstill. 
These will feel very challenging, so warm up thoroughly. If you are a hill climber, you might spend some time climbing hills in a bigger gear. The important factor here is to not allow your average or comfortable cadence to drop. That typically happens, so it's also wise to train your leg speed with simple cadence drills. I like to prescribe these to my clients on easy days and easy weeks. Improving your cycling power off the bike. Of course, if you only have a few hours per week to train, I don't recommend spending them on anything other than bike work. However, if you have a little more time, I do recommend cross-training to complement your cycling-specific training. Strength and conditioning. Building functional strength, leg strength, balance and coordination, core and flexibility can be crucially beneficial when looking to improve your cycling power. Having a strong core and legs, a stable body and being flexible might help you maintain higher power outputs with the added benefit of being more comfortable on the bike. You can have all the power in the world, but if you fail to apply it properly, you will struggle. Tying in your strength work with some pedaling efficiency drills will ensure you're using your legs correctly. It can also be a mental boost. Off-season, typically this is winter, is the perfect time to add in other sports. I always welcome this with my clients and typically see longer-term engagement in cycling from those who do multiple sports. Nutrition. Nutrition will play a huge role in building cycling power. To really boost your cycling power, eat as healthy as possible in day-to-day -day life, ensuring that you get the right micronutrients, mainly found in fruits and vegetables, in a balanced diet alongside the right and healthy macronutrients, carbs, fats and proteins, will ensure you are providing the right tools to recover optimally. Recovery. I can't stress enough how important recovery is. Optimising your recovery is going to be one of the largest pieces in the puzzle that is improving your cycling power. Really aim to build a recovery mindset by asking yourself whether you are making decisions that will boost your recovery or hinder it. A common example would be whether you take the stairs or the lift or elevator. The latter will aid your recovery, the former will hinder it. Improving your power to weight ratio. Here's where we deviate a little bit from solely focusing on power itself. While power makes up an amount of your power to weight ratio, it's not likely to be the most influential factor, and it's probably the hardest to do anything about too. Weight. In almost all cases, the quickest way for you to make substantial gains in your power to weight ratio is to reduce your weight. Of course, you can spend hours researching the lightest bikes and components, but most of us can probably make bigger weight gains by focusing on ourselves. For example, take someone who is 75 kilograms with a body fat of just over 10%, this shows that they have 7.5 kilograms of fat clinging to their body. In general, humans need to have about 5% body fat to survive in men and just under 10% in women. This leaves around 3.75 kilograms left to lose, around 50% of a normal road bike. Of course, what most people get wrong is trying to lose too much too quickly. This might only mean that their body cannibalizes its muscles or is constantly running with lower glycogen stores. In either of these circumstances, the individual will eventually see a significant power decrease too counterproductive to the power to weight ratio. Influences that affect your ability to drop weight might include your body type, your lifestyle and any medication you might be taking. Even how fat you were when you were younger comes into it. The theory is that the fat cells you grow as a child will stay with you for the rest of your life. The best you can do is empty them. The best way to win the war of scales is to consider weight loss as a long-term project. Keeping a record of what you eat is fine to establish whether you are eating far too much or too little, but I only recommend doing so for two weeks. Similarly, with weighing yourself, these factors can increase the stress associated with weight loss. Once stressed, our body tends to want to hold on to its stores of fuel. And that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, and if you have, please be sure to share it with your friends. Thank you, my name is Coach Pav, and have an awesome day.